Welcome to the Friday Five, a series in which we cover five stories in health and science research over the previous week that you may have missed. There are plenty of controversies and ethical issues in science, and we get into many of them in our online magazine. But there are also lots of stories to be excited about, and this news roundup is focused on scientific work to give you a therapeutic dose of inspiration headed into the weekend. First up in the Friday Five, scientists may have a new way of discovering cancers at their earliest stages before they become much more challenging to treat. The ultimate in cancer detection would be to develop a test that can check for any type of cancer, rather than having lots of tests and screenings for the long list of cancers, taking them one by one. When it comes to futuristic multi-cancer tests, most of them try to measure the DNA of pieces of tumors in the blood. But these kinds of tests aren't so great at ringing the cancer alarm bell at the disease's earliest stages. Plus, they just don't seem to work well for certain cancers like brain tumors and cancer of the kidney. In a recently published study in PNAS, researchers tried out a totally different approach. Instead of DNA, it measures a type of sugar that plays a key role in metabolism. Previous research found that the sugars, called glycosaminoglycans, undergo telltale changes when people have cancer. And for this study, scientists from Sweden, the University of Texas, and elsewhere used machine learning to figure out exactly how they change for 14 types of cancer. They rolled out their algorithm in a group of 1,260 people, some of whom were healthy while the others were cancer survivors. Using the sugar-based approach, the research team was able to detect two times the number of early-stage cases in people who hadn't experienced any symptoms yet, compared to the DNA test. The team is now looking to study the sugar test in a larger group, and they're hopeful that one day it'll be the basis for cancer screening programs. Do you ever reach for the top right-hand side of your head while trying to remember the name of someone you just met? You may be unconsciously focusing on the part of your brain that's key to short-term memory, the right prefrontal cortex. Well, recently, researchers at the University of Birmingham in the UK may have found a better strategy than rubbing your noggin, laser light therapy. The therapy involves shining photons of light through the skull in a way that's been shown in the past to change the inner workings of cells and how genes get expressed in the brain. The researchers, who partnered with China's Beijing Normal University, included 90 people in the study, ages 18 to 25, giving them the real laser treatment at different wavelengths, as well as sham treatments to distinguish light therapy from a placebo effect. 12 minutes after getting lasered, the participants took a memory test, and the ones who got a certain wavelength of the genuine treatment were 25% better at recalling objects. The research team backed up these observations by looking at brain scans and seeing changes that were linked to better memory. It's pretty much anyone's guess at this point why this approach seems to work, but previous research has shown that the laser approach improves memory in mice. And one theory is that it increases oxygen in the brain. We also don't know how long the benefits could persist, but if further research shows lasting benefits, it could be an important treatment for a range of issues, including ADHD, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's disease. Clinical trials are also planned to explore how laser light might affect autism. But if you don't want to wait for scientists to refine laser light therapy, other research this week suggests you could just pick up a book instead. Researchers at the Beckman Institute for Advanced Science and Technology ran a fascinating study that attempted to show that reading a lot directly leads to improvements in working memory. They asked a group of older adults to take some cognitive tests to see how they were generally doing, and then the group read for 90 minutes every day, five days per week, over a period of two months. The researchers didn't opt for any old books. They carefully crafted their reading list from a mix of different genres that were really engaging, but not the page-turners that most people may have read before. After the eight weeks were over, the bookworms killed it on the same types of cognitive tests they had taken before their book blowout, 
especially when it came to tests of working and episodic memory, compared to a placebo group that just did crossword puzzles instead of reading. The researchers think that reading and other especially stimulating activities could play an important role in keeping the mind sharp and decreasing the risk of dementia. Next up, over the past several weeks, I've talked about a few studies involving brain organoids, microscopic sections of brains made from stem cells that can be used to study how diseases like Alzheimer's progress and how potential therapies might work. Well, researchers at USC are applying a similar idea to another part of the body you can't live without, the heart. They started with a type of device that's really good at controlling the movement of fluids. Their chip, about the size of a quarter, is made from a material sort of like rubber, with openings that let gases go through. Above this material is another layer that's really thin so oxygen can get through. And on top of that is another layer of proteins. And for the final layer in this teensy sandwich cake, the researchers grow human heart cells in the same pattern as the cells in our hearts. They had a fascinating purpose in building this device, to model heart attacks. They did this by sending gas through the openings, both gas with oxygen and gas without oxygen. This is an improvement over previous lab methods for modeling heart attacks because it's basically what happens during a heart attack at the edges of the heart. Oxygen-rich blood has a really hard time getting to the heart's inner areas, but varying levels of oxygen reach the heart's borders. The research team had a live front row seat through a microscope to watch exactly what happens to these heart cells, potentially showing how this contributes to post-heart attack issues like irregular heartbeats and weaker contractions. Heart disease is the leading cause of death in the U.S., accounting for almost 13% of them, with an average of about 800,000 heart attacks per year. As they refine their device, the USC engineers want to use it to test out new medicines to find ones that might help reduce the damage caused by heart attacks. And for our fifth and final story, new research is pointing to a jack-of-all-trades in the fight against COVID, with a surprising origin. It's made from a protein that comes from bananas. This protein is unique because it attaches to carbohydrates that hang out on the surfaces of viruses, but almost never attaches to cells that are healthy without the viruses. These itty bits of banana block viruses from getting into the cells, and that's true for any variant of COVID, including Omicron, SARS, MERS, or any other coronavirus that infects people. Published by a team, including researchers from the University of Michigan and the University of Hong Kong, the study succeeded in proving that this protein shields the cells from the infamous spike protein. Scientists have known for a long time that these antiviral proteins, called lectins, could be useful, but they've now managed to alter the lectins in ways that make them less harmful to the immune system. And there were no side effects seen in tests of animals. The banana lectin could be a nasal spray or drops, and it has some big advantages over current treatments for COVID because it does have the potential to work against all variants. The researchers will now be studying it in humans. In theory, it could work against the flu and possibly even cancer since cancer cells have the same kinds of carbohydrates on their surfaces that the banana protein can attach to. As always, you can find links to each study I've discussed this week in the show notes. We'll be taking a holiday break over the next couple of weeks, but the Friday Five will be back soon with some new features. In the meantime, please check out the Leaps.org magazine online, where you can learn about the latest and most important challenges and developments in science, such as this week, an article about the continuing debates over whether transgender females should be allowed to compete with women in sports, as organizations like the NCAA try to keep up with research on how testosterone affects performance. Overall, the Leaps.org platform looks at innovations through the lens of rational optimism. You can find out what to be concerned about, but we also tell you which scientific breakthroughs are giving reason for excitement. Thanks for listening to the Friday Five, and have a great weekend.